Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. When I hold my son for the first time, the first thing I, I could think about was how is it possible to, to give birth to a baby and then just give it away for surgery? Yeah. I, I couldn't imagine that really. Can a 35-year-old HLHS or hypoplastic lift heart syndrome heart warrior survive when he was born in Norway? What special considerations needed to be made when receiving care in the United States of America? Did this heart warrior have concerns about his children having a heart defect too? Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna. I am Anna Jaworski. I am also a heart mom. My heart warrior was born with a single ventricle heart in 1994 and is living with a Fontaine heart, working full-time and working to become an author. Today's show is Living with HLHS in Norway, and my guest is Lassie Fagajarang. Lassie Fagajarang was born in Norway with HLHS. His parents took him to Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, where he had his first surgery at two days of age by Dr. Norwood. Today, Lassie is a healthy 35-year-old who owns and runs a fitness center and loves to work out. He is married with two heart-healthy sons, aged two and five years. Thanks to his great experience with care, Lassie has a love for the United States, owns a second home here, and loves to visit with his family. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna Lassie. Thank you so much, and I'm very happy to be here. I am so happy to meet you, and I'm so curious to hear about your diagnosis, and especially when your parents found out that you had hypoplastic left heart syndrome. When I was born, actually, when I was in my mom's belly, they actually checked her out because previously my mom has given birth to a son who unfortunately died of hypoplastic right heart syndrome. My goodness. It was born in 1974. At that time, it was a very early stage, and I don't think it was too much experience with this heart condition then. Right. So when I came in 1987, her pregnancy, they checked her for if I had some heart defects. At that time, the, the equipment was older, so it wasn't very easy to see if it was any problems with my heart, but they told my mom that my heart was healthy. So my parents were very happy and they expected a healthy boy to come along. And then when I was born, the doctor who had the first checkup of me, just like a normal birth checkup, he heard a heart murmur. So then the consideration and the worries began. And then I got this. It's a diagnosed uh, HLHS, 
And in Norway at that time, it wasn't anything to do. Mm-hmm. So this was early. Right. So for my parents to get that message again, like it's unfortunately nothing we can do for your son. And he has a very serious heart condition. He is born with two heart chambers. Mm-hmm. So my mom and dad, they were very sad and very upset. And they expected a healthy boy. And, and here I came. <laughs> I'm sure it was quite a shock for them, especially your mom. Yes, it was a very big shock. But then my dad, he had one of those first cell phones or portable phones, you could probably call it at that time. Right. So he went to the hospital window and he called all over Europe to see if it was any treatment for this heart condition. And mm-hmm. he thought, here I am in the future, it's 1987, something has to be, it, it has to be a possibility someplace. Right. And then they got, got contact with Dr. Scheinborn, I think it was, at a hospital in London. Mm-hmm. And he told my parents that it was early stage, but it was somebody called Dr. William Norwood, who actually performed surgeries on babies with this heart conditioning, and and he actually had some good success with that. Mm -hmm. So then my parents decided to try to follow that lead. And when they discussed this with the Norwegian hospital in Norway at that time, the Norwegian hospital were were just like, yeah, this is probably just uh, experimental. And then they actually said to us that we shouldn't go because you don't know, you know, first of all, it's a long flight. And yeah. Going across the pond, like yes, I said today, at, at, right. at that time. At that time, with a and sick also baby. With a, yes, with a two days old to one days old, two days old baby was a huge stress. And also, my mom just gave birth. Right, right. So, so they were very strongly against it, to be mm-hmm. honest. But then they, they, despite all the odds and despite all the pros and cons, they just decided to go (laughs) your parents are mavericks (laughs) yes so thanks to them and of course the great work of of norwood and his team and the children's hospital of philadelphia here i am 35 years later i have a wife and i have two beautiful boys so i'm very happy (laughs) yes i mean it really is an amazing story when Dr. Norwood was in Philadelphia, that was still fairly early in his career. I know the very first Norwood procedures that he did were at Boston Children's Hospital. But I think within two years, yeah. he had moved to Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. So you must be one of his early success stories. Yes. But it's such a long story because when they decided to travel, it was all this action happened around in in Norway. And they came to Philadelphia and then it was problems giving a baby a visa. Because I didn't have any personal number. Nothing was arranged. I was was a newborn. I was one day old. So we had friends in the helicopter in Norwegian, what you call it, the air uh, ambulance. Mm Mm-hmm. And the pilot was also a good friend of my father. He managed to come and pick us up in Tutsburg and fly us to the U.S. Embassy in Oslo. And he just touched down right on the Bakkerbrygge. 
So that was quite an action-filled story because and the U.S. Embassy opened up the doors. I think it was at 12 a.m. Opened up the doors and they wrote papers so my parents could bring me legally into the States so I could get a visa. Wow. For, for what travel. A, what an adventure. Just that. And your mother was allowed to leave the hospital to accompany you? Yeah, they just had to do what they had to do, you know. And also, I needed medication because this is very hard for me to explain in English. I'm so sorry. That's okay. But you have something on the HLHS patient. When the thing is closing after birth, that's right. very it's risky called, for us. It's called a PDA. When your yeah. PDA closes or patent ductus arteriosus. So PDA yes, is yes. easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the PDA, if that has closing that would be a problem for me right so they managed to get hold of the the medication that was a probably two hour drive from the hospital and they did that from a taxi because they also had friends in the taxi industry so everything sort of came together in the last minute (laughs) wow and my parents had never been at that time in the states and they came over and and then the first they flew to london and the plane where they had the incubator in the plane. So I was actually inside an incubator on the plane. Mm-hmm. When they landed in Philadelphia, the ambulance met them at the airstrip. Oh, and they oh did all God. the papers on the hood of the ambulance. And they told us, welcome to U.S. <laughs> so oh, that was my a, gosh. That's a very special story. When we came to Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, my parents, they, they were shocked because they saw McDonald's uh, inside a hospital. <laughs> so they thought, really, are we in a movie or are we at a serious hospital? <laughs> they were like, <laughs> wow. Later, they got the chance to meet Norwood and he told my parents that I had a 75% chance of survivor. Wow, I'm surprised it was that high back then, since it was considered an experimental procedure. When my son had the same procedure in 1994, so quite a few years later, it was still called an experimental procedure. So 75% is not really that bad. I'm sure they were a little relieved, especially since they had already lost a child to HRHS. Yes. My dad told Norwood, you mean 17? And then Norwood said, no, 75, he said. Wow. So what was it like when you came out of surgery? No, for them to hear that the first surgery was a success must be. When I hold my son for the first time, I was the first thing I, I could think about was, how is it possible to, to give birth to a baby and then just give it away for surgery? Yeah, I couldn't imagine that feeling. So that's a feeling that I will never have. But you and and Heidi has that feeling, and that must have been really tough. And also, my parents had it. Right. Yes. But, uh, but that was actually a feeling I got. Like, how is it possible to give away a son or a daughter to surgery when they are so small? They are just like you know, they are. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's fascinating that. That was one of the first things you thought about when you held your newborn son. Yes, that was, I was like, I was so happy when they had the, we found out because the first son was to 
2016 he was born and then uh, my youngest is born in 2020 so you know with the equipment we have now they they just scan over the heart and they see everything in two seconds i know it's amazing and they can do 3d i was very relieved yeah were you able to see a 3d image of your baby before your baby was born Yes, I was able to do the 3D, but that was more just like to have as a memory. And mm-hmm. like the heart, they just did a normal checkup. Mm-hmm. Like an echo? Yeah. To make sure that all the chambers yeah. were there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they could count four chambers and then they could also count the, what you call it, the wall between. The septum. Uh-huh. Right, the wall between yes. them. Very good. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you were so relieved when they looked and they saw that everything yes. looked perfect. But in another way, I was prepared for, you know, you never know what's happened, not going with. And I was prepared. I was like, if my son has the same heart condition as I was born with, we would give him life and we would give him surgery because my quality of life today is 100%. Forever by the Baby Blue Sound Collective. I think what I love so much about this CD is that some of the songs were inspired by the patients. Many listeners will understand many of the different songs and what they've been inspired by. Our new album will be available on iTunes, Amazon.com, Spotify. I love the fact that the proceeds from this CD are actually going to help those with congenital heart defects. Enjoy the music. Home tonight forever. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The opinions expressed in the podcast are not those of Hearts Unite the Globe, but of the hosts and guests, and are intended to spark discussion about issues pertaining to congenital heart disease or bereavement. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna. Lassie, what was your early childhood like in Norway? Were you able to run and play like other children? Normal play, yes. I was able to play normally. But to run, that was always hard and it's still hard. When I see a grown-up running, I'm like, how can you do that? I'm so impressed. <laughs> <laughs> so running is not, not anything for me, but to walk, I love to walk. So that's no problem. And a power walk is no problem, but running is, is hard for me. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me too. <laughs> yes, yes. It's hard. Tell me about your teenage years. Did you experience any challenges related to your heart during your teenage years? No. No. Even when you went through a growth spurt, did you ever feel like... Tell me about that. I have never sensed any, how do you say it, any different in my physical condition, like... For me, I'm I'm born with this, and I've never experienced a change. No, 
Interesting. When my son went through his growth spurt, he actually felt like his chest hurt, which really scared me. But there was scar tissue over his heart. And the doctor thought that maybe that was stretching and that's what caused him to have some pain because there wasn't anything wrong with his heart. Did you ever have anything like that where you maybe had some pains that you didn't know what they were? Sometimes on the scar itself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then it's more like in the skin, if you get the high pulse and stuff, you probably maybe the blood is trying to force its way through a scar. And today I can also actually feel that, but it doesn't bother me really. Yeah. I think after a while, you guys just get used to it, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, because Alex is the same way. And he doesn't even really know when he has arrhythmias because he's lived with them all his life. Does he suffer from arrhythmia? Well, he was diagnosed with HLHS like you were. And then they revised his diagnosis when he had his third open heart surgery and said, well, really, he's single ventricle. So he does have arrhythmias, but they're normal for him. And none of them are life-threatening. So he is on some medication to try and help them, but that's all he has to do. You don't take any beta blockers or ACE inhibitors or anything like that for your heart? No. It's amazing. But the thing is, last couple of years, I've been struggling with some high pulse. For instance, when I'm out walking, I know exactly where my pulse is from 80 to 100 when I'm out walking and strength training. It, it goes up when you lift and it goes down when you relax. But the last couple of years, I get days that suddenly I wake up and then I cannot walk into the bathroom and back without hitting 120, 115, 130 without doing nothing. And then you feel the heart is pounding a little bit, but it comes rarely. And I've checked it out. And when it's a high pulse, and it's no fibrillation or arrhythmia. Oh. It's just a high pulse that comes and goes. What does your doctor say about it? They really cannot find any issue. And they're like, yeah, well, but if you watch your watch and, and the watch is saying you have a high pulse, you will be stressed. So they are more like, you do it to yourself. But I know my body so well that mm-hmm. I can feel the day if I get a pulse from stressing or if I get a pulse, high pulse from just waking up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm sure from going from a laying down position to a standing up position, there's going to be a change in your blood pressure, of course. But yep, for you, course, course. you're so aware that yeah. you feel it probably more than most people do. And I think it's good that yeah. you're keeping an eye on it. Nowadays, yeah. there are watches that you can wear that help you to keep track of your pulse and your heart rate. They're amazing. I know. I, I love the Apple Watch. Oh, do you have an Apple Watch? <laughs> but yes, but you have to be careful with it because it's also true. The doctor is saying, like, if a normal pulse for you is 80, and if you see 90 and you get stressed, it will go to 100, 120. So, right. so, so 
You have to be careful with those uh, gadgets, but they are actually very accurate. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that there's a point to where you don't want to stress over it too much. However, I do think it's smart of you to be aware of what your body's doing, especially if there are any changes. So you can report that to yes. your doctor and you have documentation if you have it all there on your Apple Watch, which makes a lot of sense and probably helps any of the doctors with their diagnoses. Yeah. You have a passion for fitness and for working out and for food, which I think that's awesome <laughs> that you admit yeah. that you love food yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. And you said you were a teenager when you first started working out. But it sounds like your dad was aware that free weights would be okay for you, but that something like bodybuilding just wasn't going to be a good fit for you. Is that true? That's very true. And also my dad has always been like, don't run because when you run a lot, then you will push your heart. And it's almost like if you think about the body as a car, if you floor it once in a while, it's good to get all the fumes and to clean engine. But if you floor it all the time, you will really get some stress on that engine. Sure. So if you run, the heart will go at a very high heart rate for an extended period of time. If you do lightweight and you do strength training, you will only have high heart rate in a some seconds and then you stop and then the heart rate will go up and down and up and down as you work out so that's a good way to in a way poke the heart a little bit but not to to stress it out so that was always his philosophy and also if you get a little bit of muscle growth the muscle is also helping the return to the heart by being bigger and easier for blood to to flow exactly yeah, and I think that's exactly what the doctors are seeing now is that light workouts, like what your dad was talking about, consistently working out so that you stay healthy and don't get too overweight is good for your heart. And it helps it to yeah. continue to push the blood through the body in a healthy way instead of being dormant for most of the day. Yeah. Like I am when I'm sitting in front of my computer. <laughs> but you you have four heart chambers, so you, you don't need to worry about it as much as we do. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I think you're right yeah. that given the fact yeah. that you were born with a heart that has some imperfections, it's probably even more important for you to be as healthy as possible. Yeah, I think so. But my biggest enemy is food and also my weight gain and weight loss. because. I'm always unbalanced. I'm like, one month I'm overweight and the other month I've lost some weight and it's, it's going up and down all the time. And that's not healthy in the long run, though. So are you doing something special to try and regulate that a little bit better? Yeah, I've been on diet and probably just to try to have a healthy amount of food. I think that's a good middle way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they call that portion control here in the United yes. States. <laughs> portion control. I think that's very good to have. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect or CHD community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. 
Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents, will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. Heart to Heart with Anna is a presentation of Hearts Unite the Globe and is part of the Hug Podcast Network. Hearts Unite the Globe is a nonprofit organization devoted to providing resources to the congenital heart defect community to uplift, empower, and enrich the lives of our community members. If you would like access to free resources pertaining to the CHD community, please visit our website at www.congenitalheartdefects.com for information about CHD, the hospitals that treat children with CHD, summer camps for CHD survivors, and much, much more. Lassie, can you tell me how you met your wife and how long you knew her before you got married? I actually met her online. Really? Interesting. I was expecting you to tell me that you married your high school sweetheart. I don't know why, but I was. (laughs) No, I I didn't do that. (laughs) (laughs) But it just seems like so many people nowadays are meeting their spouse online. I think that's fascinating. So were you you in like a chat room that you met or one of the dating apps? No, it was more of a serious dating app, actually. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, one of the dating yeah. apps. And we decided to meet up and then we just hit it off. And is she from Norway as well? Yes, she's from Norway. So that helps. At least you weren't too far apart. It wasn't a serious long distance relationship then. No, she was living in the same town, but she was also, her parents was from, from another part of Norway. So about an hour away. So that's very close. That's no problem. Mm -hmm. Is she also into exercise like you are in physical fitness? No, she doesn't care too much for it. No, I can relate to your wife. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) she doesn't care too much for that. But I'm like this. If I have this chance now and if I'm in the hospital and Knock on wood, God forbid, if I get something serious one time, I don't want that to be my own fault. Yes. If you have an unhealthy lifestyle, it's easy to look back at it and like, oh, I shouldn't have done that because that's maybe the part why I'm here now. Right. Because just because you were born with a heart defect doesn't mean that you can't also get acquired heart disease. Yeah. So I have a very minimal intake of alcohol. I have maybe have one cigarette my whole life. And I'm trying to to stay healthy. But the only problem I have, and especially when I'm in the States, is to control those portions with food. (laughs) Yeah, because here in the United States, when you go out to eat, the portions are huge. So when I go out to eat to try and help myself, I'll order my food and I order a takeout box at the same time. And I put half of it into that box because otherwise I get talking and boy, that looks good. Boy, that smells good. And before I know it, I've eaten all of it when I really don't need to eat. 
all of it. That's very true, yeah. But I have noticed when I've traveled to Europe that, especially in Germany and in Vienna, the portions there are much smaller. They're more like what you should eat. Is it the same way in Norway? Yes. So it's a little bit less temptation to overeat. Yes. But the problem is you can go into the grocery store and you can make yourself a great American meal right home, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you can. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, tell me about your two heart-healthy children. You said that you had some ultrasounds with your wife, so she knew that you were not going to have any problems with the children. Did you also have genetic testing done? No, that's not possible here in Norway, I think. I think that's not possible here in in Norway. Okay. The reason why I ask is because you said you had a sibling who passed away from a heart defect, and then you had a heart defect. Do you have heart-healthy siblings? Yes, I have a sister. She's older than me. She's 11 years older than me, and she is heart-healthy. Yeah. That's wonderful. So it may not be caused by a genetic problem, especially since you saw that your own children were heart-healthy. That must have been such a huge relief for you and your wife. It was. I was so happy. I was so happy when I could count those four chambers. Yeah. Yeah. And then you could count the the fingers and toes and just be happy that you had this perfect little baby. Yeah. And also another thing that's actually very interesting is something my dad told me. He told me that we are so blessed when you get healthy children. Uh, more blessing is actually to get happy children. To get children with defects like, for instance, heart disease or even Downs or even more serious diseases, as long as they are happy, then it's okay. As long as they can live that life they could be happy about, it's okay. That's a beautiful outlook. You're right. You're right. And I've yeah. known people yeah. who have congenital birth defects or acquired problems like diabetes and they are happy it's like you said they know how to make the most out of their lives and then i've seen other people who are perfectly healthy who always seem like sourpusses they always seem unhappy and i think why are you so unhappy you're so healthy but everybody's outlook is a little bit different so i think your dad's right just having a child who's happy is such a huge blessing Well, it's almost time for us to go. But before we go, I just have to say how surprised I am that you work at a fitness center because that is one of the last occupations I would expect somebody with HLHS to have. (laughs) Now, you said it's a family business. Obviously, your parents had already started it. Could you tell me a little bit more about the family business? Is your mother also involved? I mean, how did this get started? Yes got started when my dad had some knee problems when he was in his 20s and he found relief in fitness and working out and then he's also an engineer so he loves to build stuff you know and he were building his own fitness machines wow he thought if i could get a place of putting all those machines maybe i can have a 
living on it, you know? Uh-huh. That's how it started. And so they built a building to put the stations in. And then just small steps graduated to where it is now. And today it's actually a very big, big center. We have a aqua park and we have a lot. Now, did he franchise? No, he didn't. So it's just his one building, but he's been adding on to it over the years. An aqua park sounds fun. So does he actually do aerobic therapy in the water? Yes. So it's not like not aqua park like states because that's very huge. But we have water slides. Oh, so it's way more than just a pool. Yeah, we have four pools. And oh wow! So the kids can go and have fun while mom and dad are working out. Yes, that has been the vision all the time. That's been the vision, and today it's close to thirty-three thousand square foot. Oh wow, that's huge. Yeah. But the problem came in 2020 when COVID came. It yes. wasn't as fun being in this industry. So we have had a couple of rough years, but still we have health and we have my boys and we, we, we will survive. So it's been a couple of years that's been tough, but it's been tough for a lot of people. And especially in this industry, the hotel industry. And right. yeah, a lot of industries has really been hit hard now. And we also felt that, but today we see that members are coming back and uh, the future is looking good, actually. That is so good to hear. I think everybody is ready to get back to normal, don't you, Lassie? Yes, I hope so. And I also got my first chance in two and a half years to travel to the States. We were there two weeks ago with my, my family. So that was very nice. My mom, dad, my boys, and my wife. Yep. What part of the U.S.? We went to Orlando. Oh, you went to Orlando. Well, I wasn't very far away from you. Last week, I was in Sarasota visiting my son and my granddaughter. So we weren't that far apart. How do you like Orlando? I imagine you take them to Disney. Yes. (laughs) We've been to Disney. and Not this time, though, but earlier we've been to Disney. We've been all over Florida. Yeah. (laughs) We love the States. And it's like my personal saying is... I have American blood. And then we joke about it. And you actually have because of that blood transfer you got when you were a baby. (laughs) (laughs) So that's just a joke, though. So I love it. I absolutely love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the program today, Lassie. And I'm so excited that you are going to be my first guest to speak in Norwegian. Thank you so much for having me. And it was a pleasure speaking to you too. I'm also scared that your son is also doing very, very well. Well, thank you, Lassie. And it's partly because of people like you who paved the way for my son to have the success that he has had. Dr. Norwood is amazing. The Norwood procedure has saved so many people. And I'm so thankful that your parents were willing to take a chance so that you could have the life you have. And I bet they are doting grandparents. Yes, they love their grandsons. Yes, they do. That is so wonderful. Well, friends, that does conclude this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. We will be hearing from Lassie again 
in another episode completely in Norwegian that will be guest hosted by Heidi Ingvaldsen. And you all may remember her from being on the program earlier this year. So I'm so excited that we'll hear Lassie in his own language. But for today, that's it. Please consider writing a review of our podcast to help other people looking for a podcast for the CHD community know what we're all about. Reviews are so helpful when you want to know what you can expect to hear. Until next time, my friends, remember, you are not alone. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you have become inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart community. Heart to Heart with Anna with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard at any time, wherever you get your podcasts. A new episode is released every Tuesday from noon Eastern time.